Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your incredible beauty in today. We thank you for the sun that's filtering through the trees and the birds that are chirping and just that little small promise of fall that we can feel in the air and Father, I just thank you that sometimes we can um, feel your promises and perceive them with our senses before we ever see them. And I just thank you, God, that that's what your word does. Your word causes the very depths of our being to reach out and, and know that that promise is there long before it's ever manifested. Father, I just pray that this time with um, your word and in your Holy Spirit and just spending this time with you, that you would bring about um, the miracles that we need in our lives, the changes that we need in our hearts, the manifestations that we need of your healing in our body. God, that you would um, bring us to wholeness, body, soul, and spirit, us and our household. And I, Father, I, I thank you that we can stand in faith for our house, that you say that we can literally say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so, Lord, we just praise you, we honor you, We are so thankful to be here, and I just ask that you would clear our hearts and minds to receive um, your word for us, particularly to us, from you, and um, that there would be no distractions in that. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been teaching on faith, and I just want to quickly um, review the faith secrets that we've gone over so far, not in any kind of depth, but... Um, I have to also guard myself against teaching them over again because there's always more to say. That's why Lacey is is excited about um, our ministry doing conferences and that kind of thing because there's so much to say and it's just too hard to have a 45-minute period where you just get it all in. It's impossible. And so faith secret number one being that faith is activated by love, Galatians 5, 6, how so often we want to have faith. And we want to receive the promises of God. And God says you can't receive his promises unless you have faith. You can't even come to God unless you have faith. He says that you can't even please him unless you have faith. And so we need to realize that faith is activated by love. And that is a huge teaching in my life, something that I need to be told over and over and over again. Faith secret number two is that the voice you obey will be the voice you hear, and the voice you hear will be the voice you've meditated on. In other words, you can want to do the right thing, you can want to do the God thing, but you're going to do whatever you've meditated on. And so I can want to love that person in my family on Thanksgiving that drives me crazy. But if I meditate on all the things that that person does that irritates me, then I'm going to do what I've meditated on. I'm not going to be loving towards that person. I'm not going to. But if I meditate on God's Word and how much He loves me and how much there is in my life that has been irritating, you know, the other day, I I just, well, I'm going to start teaching that. I can't do that. Okay, phase secret number three. Waiting strengthens your faith. And that's what we're talking about right now. Waiting strengthens your faith. That's my least favorite secret. I'm just have to be honest with you. Waiting is not fun. But the Bible says in Isaiah, Scripture we're very familiar with, 40, verse 31, 
that those who wait upon the Lord, he will strengthen them. He will renew their strength. And that word renew in the Hebrew means to make better than it was before. And so it's saying there that those that wait upon the Lord, he will renew, make better, strengthen, increase their strength in their faith. That's what it means to have strength in God is to say no matter who I am and no matter what I am and no matter what inabilities and restrictions I have in my life, God can work through me to do what he's planned to do, which is far and above what I could ever even hope or ask or think. It's what it says in Ephesians 3.20. And so it says, Those who wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will soar on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And he mandates ways for us to inherit his promises there. And you can see that on your handout. It's Hebrews 6.12 through faith and patience and James 5.11 through perseverance. So we've been talking about waiting on God and Two weeks ago, we were talking about Abraham's life and how Abraham had to wait on God. He was given a promise, and 25 years later, that promise was fulfilled. But it took 25 years. And you say, well, what was Abraham doing from the time the promise was given until the time that the promise was fulfilled? What was he doing? He was waiting. And God was strengthening him to get him to a place that he would trust God and have so much faith and strength in God, which was created by the waiting, that when the promise was given to him, Isaac, he was willing to actually lay Isaac on the altar. Waiting increases our faith to the point of where we say, God, you know, everything I have, everything that I do, everything that's good is from you. And it's that open hand towards heaven. And God loves that because an open hand in saying everything that's mine that you've given me is, of course, yours, allows God to pour more back into our laps and allows us to be able to give it away. But I looked at these scriptures in Romans 5, um, 4, 17. I keep hearing feedback and I can't... Is it here? Ah, okay. In Romans 4, there are scriptures that talk about waiting on God. And I'm so excited about these scriptures. These scriptures have ministered to my heart so much throughout my life. But so much, even lately, I wanted to share them with you and um, have us land on a few and talk about them. Romans 4.17 says, It is written, and it's talking about Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. That is God. He gives life to dead things, And he calls those things that are not as though they were. And see, faith does that. Faith can see the truth that something's dead. But I don't know if some of you or all of you were here a couple weeks ago, but we talked about there's a difference between fact and truth. Raise your hand if you were here. Raise your hand if I confused you. Okay. There's a difference between fact and truth. Fact is that... 
the doctors say you only have a certain amount of time to live. Truth is that God's plan is that you be healed. You know, fact says your marriage is over. Maybe there's just been too much that's happened. It's unforgivable. Truth is that God can do miracles within the heart of someone that you thought was never, ever, ever going to change. I mean, fact is that, you know, all the things in our lives that are factual, that are facts, you know, that people have hurt us, that we feel like we cannot go on, that whatever it is, that's fact. Yes, it's fact. But truth calls those things that are not as though they were according to the Word of God. That's truth. And what's interesting about all of this is that truth, God's Word, overrides fact. The fact is the Red Sea cannot part. The fact is the Israelites are right up to the Red Sea. The Egyptians are coming. The Israelites are toast. That's fact. Truth parted the Red Sea. And see, the greatest thing about following God is that we don't live under fact. We live under truth. And when you know truth, the truth literally can set you free from the negative facts. The Bible says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Who is truth? Jesus Christ is truth. Who is Jesus Christ? The Logos Word of God. And that excites me. And I've seen that work in my life over and over and over again. And Lacey and I have come to God and said, here are the facts. And the facts look really bad. You know, when I described what was going on with my jaw and the doctors were saying, have to have that major surgery. Here are the facts, God. I have to have five millimeters of width, and I have to have six millimeters of length. And I am a 30-something-year-old female. This was several years ago. And, I mean, I'm not growing anymore. My jaw has stopped growing. And we did not have peace to have that surgery. Here's the fact. But God's truth, when we said, but we know that you have a plan for Kathleen to be a speaker of the word. We know that it's not your will for her jaw to hurt all the time. Can you imagine trying to speak the word and having your jaw hurt all the time? When I started dating Lacey, I just said, you know, my jaw hurts all the time. And we got married. It hurt all the time. And I was trying to teach the Bible. It hurt all the time. It hurt to smile. And then finally I told him, honey, it hurts to kiss you. He said, that's it. We're doing something about that. <laughs> getting serious about this faith thing. <laughs> Jesus! Fact is, my wife is hurting when she kisses me. And then I told you that a man that was, doesn't look like us, doesn't talk like us, our church would probably go, ooh, he's weird. Yep, very weird. Laid hands on me and said, be healed in Jesus' name. Lacey didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. People around me didn't feel anything. And he looked at Lacey. He goes, watch your jaw. It's going to grow. And within about three days, we had width, length. What were the facts? The facts were... Medically speaking, my jaw was too narrow and too shallow. My teeth were wearing down. I had horrible pain. The truth was, God had a plan. What did I need to do to get from fact to truth? I had to have faith. And faith can't tell God how to do it either. Faith just says, God, here are the facts. 
but your truth is that you want me to have life and life abundant, and it is not abundant life to not be able to even do what I'm called to do. So I looked at this, and I looked at the life of Abraham, and I looked at what God says that he gives life to the dead and calls things as though things that are not as though they were, Romans 4.17. And I wanted us to pick back up on Romans 4.18 because what Abraham does in his life as he's waiting on the manifestation of the promises of God are so key in our life that you literally could take Romans 4.17 all the way through Romans 5 and just meditate on those scriptures. You know, sometimes we don't want to worry we don't want to, you, you have a situation in your life that's extremely difficult. Um, my child's on the first row, so my examples are very little this morning. But um, you, you have hurts a lot of times because of concerns about your children. Nothing, nothing grieves the heart of a parent any more than their child going through something. And maybe you're waiting for a manifestation of, of God's promises for your child. Maybe it's for your spouse. Maybe it's for your finances. Maybe it's for yourself. Maybe it's for your own heart. And there is that period of waiting sometimes between what God promises, which is the truth, and where you're at, which are the facts. And so, what did Abraham do? Because God holds up Abraham as an example to us of faith. So, we have to look at his life. What did he do? Romans 4.18 says, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. So, I look at that, number one, and it says, Abraham hoped. And I think it's so interesting that so many Christians are trying to have faith and walk in faith And they don't have any hope. And hope seems to be the stepping stone to faith. And so sometimes we just need to be hopeful. What's God going to do? I don't know. I just hope in God. I don't know how he's going to do it. I gave him a list of suggestions three or four years ago. I even numbered them. He didn't take any of those. Usually God doesn't because he's just got something so much better. He's got something so much better that I get to the point where now, after walking with God years and years and years, and I say walking, sometimes crawling, sometimes um, going backwards 90 miles an hour, but then getting back up and walking with God or turning around, you know, like that car, and then going forward 90 miles an hour. Walking with God all of that time, I'm to a place where I know that how God answers, when he answers, I'm going to say, thank you, God, for not answering the way that I asked you to do it. Because it's always better. So what does Abraham do? Against all hope, he hopes, Romans 4.18. So he became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then Romans 4.19 is so extremely key. I love this. It's so important. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. And that's where I think we get confused. Because sometimes there can be 
people who think that faith is not facing the facts. And so there can be one camp of Christians that just say they're walking in faith and we're faith people and we, we believe God no matter what. And you ask them what's going on and they say, well, we're not going to confess that because we're in faith. Or we're not going to talk about that or that doesn't exist because we're in faith. But that's not what God's talking about. See, because he holds up Abraham as a faith person and it says in Romans 4.19 that Abraham faced the fact. It says Romans 4.19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. So here's Abraham saying, you know what, God? You gave a promise that's impossible to be fulfilled now. Isn't it interesting how sometimes God will give a promise and then wait until it's past the point of possibility? To fulfill it. I mean, that's when he really wants to grow your faith. Because that's when waiting is just more than you can take, you think. And when you can't stretch any further, God says, stretch more. I like the promises that are given where promise, answer, promise, answer. Don't you? You know? I like to not have to wait. But here, Abraham has to wait past the point of possibility. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. But Romans 4.20 said, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith. How? And the Bible tells us how. How are you strengthened in your faith while you're waiting? Because, see, here's what Abraham did. He didn't walk around going, I'm not going to confess that. I'm not going to confess that. I'm a faith person. I'm a faith person. Um, we, we can have children. He said, you know what? Here's the facts. My wife cannot have children anymore. She is 90. <laughs> Here are the facts. I am 99. I, can have not, I can't have children anymore. Do I need to explain why to anybody here? Okay, good, because my daughter's on the first row. So, it's obvious. It wasn't just a feeling. It was a fact. He faced the facts. But in Romans it says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the facts. Romans 4.20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. How did he not? Because his faith was strengthened. How? Romans 4.20 says, giving glory to God. During that wait, Abraham just kept giving glory to God. Kept giving glory to God. Kept giving glory to God. And you know, we have promises from God that I know I'm going to get off on a tangent, but I don't even care because I'm so excited about them. And, and I was only able to write down a few. But I thought, you know, somebody might be sitting here going, what promises from God? I know salvation, that's it. What other promises from God? The Word of God is just overflowing with promises from our Heavenly Father to us for today. The book of Hebrews says that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's not promises back then. We don't have a God who did part the Red Sea and did heal people and did do miracles, but now he doesn't. We don't have a God that can't be trusted. 
We have promises, but we have to know those promises are true through faith. Face the fact that maybe there are some things in our lives that look like those promises could never, ever, ever be through. And yet, like Abraham, not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but be strengthened in our faith, giving glory to God being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. And so I just was looking this morning at breakfast at what are some promises of God? Because, see, if God says something, it's truth. And if it's not happening, that's fact. But Abraham's life shows us that we face fact, but we hold up the promise of God and we wait and we rejoice as we're strengthened in faith until we receive the promise, until truth overrides fact. I mean, truth was we couldn't get storm out of Armenia. Truth was the government was blocking. Truth was there were so many obstacles to that that even people dearest to us said, you know what? I just think God's closed that door. But there was a promise from God in our heart for that little boy. And and that's a whole other story. I won't go into it. But there was not a doubt in my mind or in Lacey's mind that that was our son. And so going over there the second time, halfway across the world for another two weeks, Lacey said, God, Here are the facts. We've got governmental red tape in Armenia. We've got governmental red tape in Moscow. We have situations that I can't even go into. I mean, you want governmental red tape, just try Russia. Try Russia and another country going through Russia. Because, see, nobody speaks Armenian, but Russians don't speak Armenian. They speak Russian. And Armenians speak Russian because Russia had taken over Armenia. And so we are in Texas with an interpreter, well, an adoption agency in California, which that's another language anyway, between Texas and California, talking to a man in Russia who's going over to Armenia. So we're talking about, and then just red tape and all sorts of stuff. But see, truth, God promised that that we knew in our heart overrode fact, which is you can't have this baby. And now this, this uh, truth calls me mommy, God's truth. And I think, what if we'd given up? What if we'd said, you know what? This must not have been God's will. I know he promised us. I know we, we really, you know, we're promised by God in prayer. We had lots of confirmation. I know we were, but, you know, I guess he just didn't mean what he said. Well, Storm would still be in Armenia in an orphanage. So here are a few promises from God. That promise for storm is a promise that God gave us in our hearts, obviously not in the Bible, but God does give his people promises. But I wanted to share with you some promises that are in the word of God, just a few. And then you can see, um, I just encourage you to write down these scriptures because these are amazing, amazing promises that you're going to want to have. Proverbs 21.21 says that if you will pursue righteousness and love, God will grant you life, prosperity, and honor. 
And so, you know, I'm going to show you something, too, that's exciting that you, most of you already know, but promises of God are not earned, but they are conditional. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I can't earn it. I can't be good enough for salvation. I can't ever earn it, but it is upon the condition that I receive the Son of God. And so all of the promises of God are not earned, but they are conditional. They're conditional of what I do with them. And one of the greatest conditions we have is we have to have faith in the promise. So Proverbs 21:21 again, if you will pursue righteousness and love, God will grant you life, prosperity, and honor. 1 Peter 5, 6 says that if you will humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, God will lift you up. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says that if you will trust in God and keep your mind on him, he will keep you in perfect peace and be your strength. Mark 9.23 says that if you will believe God can do anything, God will make all things possible. And I want to encourage you to look these scriptures up because sometimes when we start to really read what they say, they seem greater than we could ever believe God for. And when that happens, we have to start realizing, maybe I don't even know the promises of God. Maybe I've been so fact-focused that I haven't even lived into the inheritance from my father. And so when I start reading those promises, I start realizing, my gosh, this is just such a bigger joy and a bigger thing to be a Christian than just to walk around with my my head hung low and, and hope for heaven someday and do the best I can. So much greater than that. And it's amazing to be able to move from a fact-focused person to a promise-focused person. Because then the waiting, that waiting part, is where my faith is strengthened. And I can say, the promises of God are true. Psalm 91, 9 and 10 says that if you will make God your refuge and dwelling place, God will protect you from harm. Luke 17, 6 says that if you have faith, Even as small as a mustard seed, God will respond mightily to his word as you speak it. Now, obviously, I don't have time to teach each one of these. I wish I did. And I'm not even qualified in a lot of ways because I'm still learning so many things. All I know is that a childlike faith says, here are God's promises. They are true. Here are the facts. God's promises override facts and that is faith i'm going to read a few more psalm 37 4 says that if you will delight yourself in god he will give you the desires of your heart luke 6 35 says that if you love your enemies and do good to them god will greatly reward you psalm um, excuse me proverbs 16 3 it's one of my favorite scriptures in the amplified bible and if you all don't have an amplified bible go buy at the Christian bookstore, or even Borders, if they have it, uh, like a, um, a very inexpensive um, uh, paperback amplified, because the amplified Bible takes the Greek and Hebrew and literally amplifies it into our English language, and it just makes certain scriptures a lot richer. Proverbs 16.3, I don't have that version in the amplified with me in, in front of me, but it basically says, if you'll commit all your plans to the Lord, he will cause them 
to succeed. Matthew 5, 8 says that if you will be pure in heart, God will reveal himself to you. Matthew 18, 19, and 20 says that if you, any two of you agree in prayer and faith and believing, God will cause it to be done. Malachi 3.10 says that if you honor God with your tithe, God will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing that you won't have room to receive it. I mean, I could go on and on and on, and I will. 1 John 1.9 says that if you confess your sins to God, God will be faithful and just to forgive you. Look at these promises are so amazing to me. They're the promises of God so that even if I don't feel forgiven, I can say 1 John 1.9 says that if I confess my sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive me. And that's when I let the truth of God override my feelings. Sometimes it's not even just about fact. It's about my feelings. It's about not feeling forgiven. Matthew 11:28 through 30 says that if you will come to Jesus with your burdens, God will give you rest for your soul. That's a promise from God. John, um, John 11:40 says that if you will believe Jesus works miracles, God will show you his glory. John 15:5 through 7 says that if you will remain in Jesus, God will bring much fruit from your life. Psalm 25:3 says that if you will place your hope in the Lord, God will not allow you to be ashamed. I could camp there for a really long time, and, and we're going to go there next Sunday, God willing. But you know how many people just fear shame and disappointment? In facts in their life have caused that fear. You know, rarely do we have a fear that isn't backed up by something that's happened. And God promises us, and we need to look at that. If we're afraid of failing, if we're afraid of being ashamed, if we're afraid of being disappointed, we need to look at those scriptures. In Psalm 25.3, and, and focus on that and say, if you will place your hope in the Lord, God promises me, if I will place my hope in the Lord, He will not allow me to be ashamed. And sometimes I have to back up and go, well, where is my hope, really? Because there's no worse feeling than placing your hope in someone else. I had so much anxiety in college because I was on one of those mental treks where I thought I had to make straight A's and I wasn't going to get married until I was like 35 and I was going to carry a really expensive briefcase and live in Chicago or New York. And then God called me into the ministry working with high school kids. I remember telling God literally, and and probably some of you heard this, but I just said, God, the ministry. I said, I made straight A's to go into the ministry. I I don't even like polyester. You know, God's amazing, and he wants our hope in him. But I remember in college being under so much anxiety because I was going to make straight A's. I was going to do what, what I wanted to do. And there's no, I mean, that's not a bad thing to hope for. But see, I put my hope in the professors instead of saying, hey, you know what, God, I still have to put all my hope in you. And, and I remember we had this huge assignment. Do you remember this? And I gave 
I, I was at UT. Um, I went to Baylor and then basically um, married in the middle of college and then transferred to the University of Texas. So much for not marrying until you're 35. And, um, <laughs> and so we had this huge paper due in, in this class of like 300 people. And so you turn all your papers in to the um, professor's assistant. I'm sure he was brilliant. But anyway, he rode a bicycle. And long story short, um, we don't know where the paper went. Professor said, um, and I'm one of those like hyper straight A, like make you feel like you want to vomit kind of people back then. Now I'm not, and you love me, and I'm not that way. Um, and, and if I do make you want to vomit, I, I don't want to know. I just lie, <laughs> you know, just lie, lie. Tell me you like me. Um, and so anyway, I, I mean, I just walked up to the professor, and, and, and he called me forward, and he goes, this is just un, unlike you and to not turn in this paper. And I said, no, I turned it in. And he said, well, we don't have it. And I said, no, oh, I have a Xerox copy of it. And he goes, yeah. He goes, a lot of people have tried that. You know, do it late, Xerox it. Tell me that we didn't get it. I said, no, I really, really, really have a Xerox copy. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to give you a zero, which is going to bring your average way down from an A to like a whatever it was, a C or a D. And I just was devastated. See, I'd put all my hope in him. And I remember just feeling just all those feelings, you know, and, and when you're not in college, you may forget, but when you feel like your life is in the hands of a company and they have lied to you, or you feel like your life is in the hands of a, of a person and they are not saying the right thing about you, or you feel like your life is in the hands of yourself. And that's really one of the worst places you could put it. Because nobody disappoints me more than me. I have to put my life in God. And I have to say, God, you said that those in hope, who hope in you will not be disappointed. And I remember going back to my little apartment and just feeling sick and devastated and, and, and praying on my face, just like I've felt in times past when I felt like my life was in the hands of a doctor or my life was in the hands of someone to give me mercy. But see, my life and your life is in the hands of Almighty God if we let him have our lives. Well, we found out that um, the paper actually had, after all this prayer and agony and you name it, I tried to call the professor at home. I, I tried to um, be nice to his wife. It wasn't his wife. It was his girlfriend. I think I caused a mess. And, and then, of course, I'm calling another female college voice, which wasn't, that wasn't good either. Well, the paper had been stuck in the in the um, assistant's bicycle basket. You know how they had those those little baskets that are like white um, plastic, and the paper was white, and it had stuck on the bottom of the basket. But God, at that time, taught me such a lesson. It may sound like a silly lesson to you, but it was like Kathleen. You know what I'm going to show you right now? You got your hope in the wrong people. It's not about your grades. It's not about that professor. It's not about who happens to find your paper. It's not a doctor. It's not a business. It's me. You better hope in me. You better have faith in me. 
because I will not disappoint you. And I'm the only one. So I look at that scripture, and that's what I think of. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 4 says that if you will listen diligently to the voice of God, God will bring increase to every area of your life. James 1, 5 says that if you will ask God for wisdom, he will grant it generously. Matthew 6.33 says that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the other things will be added. See, sometimes I have to stop and go, what about the promises that I do know? Because I'm sure a few of you know all of the promises. You probably know more than I do. And there's a few of you that may know some, but what about the ones that you do know? Are you acting like you know it? Because acting like you know it is saying, here's the facts that don't line up with the promise, but I'm going to hold the promise above the facts. And I'm going to wait until God fulfills his promises. See, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead and that his wife Sarah's womb was as good as dead. And then again, I'll read in, in Romans 4, 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had power to do, that God had power to do what he had promised. Fully persuaded. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, another promise. I have three more I've written down, so I'm just going to get them out real quick. If you will honor the Lord with the first fruits of your wealth, God will bring overflow to your storage places. You know, sometimes I find myself going, okay, there is so much stuff in our house, it's unbelievable. And I find myself literally complaining about the overflow of God's blessing. Instead of saying, God, I've got so much, I can give it away. I remember also just in standing on the promises of God and going back to that tithing scripture, you know, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and God will cause this overflow for you. It also says, and he'll rebuke the devourer. Lacey stood on that scripture when cancer, the devourer, came to my body in the form of leukemia. Promises of God. God's promises are so much greater and so much more powerful than we are giving them credence for in our life. And we're suffering for it. Proverbs 2, excuse me, 28, 27 says that if you will give to the poor, God will provide for all that you need. Proverbs, or actually John 3, 16, I'll go ahead and skip down, says that if you will receive Jesus as your Savior, God will grant you to live forever promises of God. I think if you walk away with anything today, just Romans 4.21, the fact that Abraham, regardless of fact, was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he, was, what he had promised. And sometimes when I can do nothing else, I can, I can look at the promises of God And I can go ahead and face the facts in my life. And I can say, God, you know what? 
I don't even know if, if I have the faith right now that I need while I'm waiting for you to do these things in my life or my children's life or my husband's life or our family's life. I don't even know if I have the faith. But I am fully persuaded that you have the power to do what you promised. And you know what's ironic about being fully persuaded? That's faith. I was preparing this morning and I kept going, God, how does this fit? How does this fit? But I know this is for somebody, so I'm just going to pull it out. Mark 4.14 and and verses all the way through verse 20 talks about the farmer who sows the word. And it's talking about when the word is sown, that the enemy immediately comes to steal the word. And I want you to be aware in your life that whenever God is wanting you to catch something because it's going to bring you to a higher level in Him, it's going to free you up, it's going to bring the truth in your life, immediately, the Bible says, not the next day, not the next day, but immediately, the enemy wants to come and bring facts that make it look like that's not true. And I think so often in my life when there was just one thing I really needed to catch and I could feel my heart catching it, immediately the thief would come to steal that word. And I have no idea who that's for. I have no idea why I just said that. I just want you to know that when a message is given forth from the Holy Spirit to you and it's applying directly to your life, be on guard. Because the thief comes immediately to steal that seed. And that's when I say, God, I'm not going to let him. I know that you're doing something in me. I know the word of God is the seed. And you want to plant it in my heart. And you want it to reap a bountiful harvest, not only for me and my life, but you want those fruits of my spirit to affect many other people. And I will not let it go, no matter the fact. You know, Lacey and I would go and hear the truth on, on um, staying out of strife. And, and the power of agreement, if any two of you agree on anything on earth, it will be done in heaven and there's no powerful agreement than between a husband and a wife. That's the most powerful agreement there can be. So where does the enemy attack? between the agreement of a husband and a wife. And we'd leave someplace and hear that, or we'd read it together that morning, and then we would not understand why we're fighting strife all day. Or I would understand something from God, and and then something bad would happen right away. Or it seemed to happen. I'd be frustrated. or um, I just wanted to put that out there because I felt that urging this morning. And sometimes just be aware, because you can even retrospectively go, you know, when did I hear the word and immediately something negative happened? Maybe that's what God knew was going to change my life. And that's also what the enemy knew was going to change my life. And he immediately came to steal it. And see, that's where God wants us to say, Satan, you cannot have it. I will be all that God has created me to be. And I will live the life that he's created me to live. 
Jesus, I just thank you for this time together. I thank you for your amazing word. I thank you that we can come to you weak, frustrated. We can come to you so full of anxiety. We can come to you with facts that don't line up with the word. And you tell us, don't be afraid. Just believe. Father, I just pray for anybody who's realized this morning that they've put their life, they've put their hope in somebody else's hands where it doesn't belong. And if they could, with all of their heart, just put their hope and put their life back in your loving, capable, miraculous hands. Father, I ask for protection over each one of us as We leave this place and we know that the enemy would try to come and steal the word, the seed that you've implanted within us, that you want to be watered and you want to grow so that we can be more like you. And I just thank you, Father, that you would teach us this week and throughout our days to love you and trust you and you would give every single person in this class an urge to know your promises and know your word and to wait, giving glory to you for the fulfillment of your word and your truth in their life, which overrides all fact. In Jesus' name, live the truth. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you 